join me today Hallelujah! in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 29 is where we want to start here today. And uh, of course tonight uh, we will be dealing with uh, our night of giving. But this morning I wanted to deal with this subject, honor for the things of God. Honor for the things of God. Honor is something that's very dear and near to uh, Pastor Michelle and I. Uh, and it's very near and dear to God, to the Father. Honor for the things of God. And uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, now we've, we've dealt with this uh, again and again. But the prophet, a man of God, came to Eli, who was the priest in those days. And, and you remember that Eli's sons were not doing right. They were being dishonorable with the offerings of God. And um, he comes to Eli in verse 29 of chapter 2, and he makes this statement. He says, the, the, the Lord speaking through the man of God, and he said, Wherefore do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I've commanded in my habitation, and you honor your sons above me, to make yourselves fat with all the cheapest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Now, notice something very quickly here, how that God says, these are my offerings, my offering. And he says, you kick at it. In other words, it's, there's, not, there's not much to it. It doesn't mean much. Remember I told you the story? Uh, one time I, I, I did a wedding for a couple. I, I, I hadn't even been a pastor here for a year yet. And I, I did, it was, yeah, I think it was one of the first weddings I ever did here. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, in a, a common courtesy. You know, if somebody performs a wedding or something, you know, a minister, uh, there's an honorarium involved. Now, get the word, honorarium. Honor. Right? Now, now here's the thing. I, I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for it. I, I just, you know, I just did the wedding. These people were not members of my church. I did it because they were relatives of a member of the church. And uh, so the service was over, and uh, everybody left. You know, dun, 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 dun. And, and, right, rice, and I don't know if it was rice or what it was. Anyway, uh, so they, they just took off, and, you know, I wasn't invited to the, uh, what do they call it, reception or, or anything. And so I was just here uh, with some of the other people, and somebody asked me if they had given me an honorarium. And I don't remember exactly what I said. It's been 24-plus years ago. And uh, I, I, I know I said no, and I didn't think any more about it. And it wasn't long after that, this young man that I had married uh, came back, and uh, he just walked in the front door there, and I heard the door open, so I, I walked out to see who it was. And he goes, here! And he just kind of threw something at me. Well, I, I took it, and I held it in my hand, and it was the dirtiest most wrinkled up $20 bill I'd ever seen in my life. Now, here's, here's the idea that a lot of people have. Well, you should have just been glad you got anything. I didn't need anything from him. Amen. I've told you all for 24 years, nobody in here has enough money to make me want it. Amen. Because that's not, what, that's not why we do what we do. The point was, look at what just occurred meant to him 
a dirty, crinkled up $20 bill kind of thrown at the preacher. That's all it meant. You know, I don't know if they're married today yet. See, it's not the money, right? But if that meant anything to him, what should he have done? If that's all he had, Pastor, this is all I have. But I want to thank you for being a part of this. I want to thank you, right? Amen. Amen. See, how you do anything is how you do everything. And, and if my mindset about these things of God are one way, they'll be that way towards the people in my life. If you're a husband and you don't honor the things of God, you won't honor your spouse correctly. If, if you're a wife and you don't honor the things of God, you won't honor your husband correctly. If I don't teach my children to honor God, I can't teach them to properly honor me. Amen. Because everything that I want to teach them starts with how they approach God. Amen. If they want to get the most out of my fathering, they have to first know God is their father. If they want to get the most out of our family relationship, they first have to learn how to honor one another in the home. What's the greatest thing a dad can do for his children? Here it is. Love their mother and show her honor. Why? Because by, by doing that, I'm showing my daughters how they're supposed to be responded to with the person that they're going to choose to spend their life with. Now, Pastor, that sounds like a lot of responsibility. I know. If you don't want it, don't have kids. Amen. But notice, he says, these are my offerings, and you're just kind of treating them like nothing. Now, notice the next verse. Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever, but now the Lord says, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Oh, hallelujah. Those that honor me, the word honor, the, the, the biggest part of that word means to be weighty or to carry weight. So notice what God's saying. So people that I carry weight with. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, it matters what God thinks. Isn't that right? Tell them one more time. Say, it matters what God thinks. See, God has to carry weight with us. Now, everyone in here has made mistakes, right? With the exception of Jeremy. Everyone in here has made mistakes. Hallelujah. Maybe Aaron. I don't know. That would be a lie. I've known Aaron a long time, so I... But, but the point is, is everyone's made mistakes. So, so he's, he's, he's not saying if you don't make a mistake. But when you make a mistake, it's evident by how much God matters by how you respond. If it matters to God, I immediately do what First John says. I confess it, I repent, and I change it. 
And what did he say he would do? Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Why? Those that honor me, I'll honor. The most dishonorable thing you can do is miss the mark and not go to God and get it right. Well, I'm just, I'm too ashamed. Well, he knows you did it. There's, there's no, the, the shame is not in going and confessing it. The shame comes when you try to live with it. You have no answer for it. That's why you were freed from that guilt and shame when you were born again. The first thing that Jesus did when you were born again was make you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, He took your old nature and made you a new creature in Christ that was in right standing with God. The most honorable thing that I can do when I miss the mark is go to Him as the righteousness of God and say, I miss the mark, forgive me, I repent. And it says, immediately He cleanses you from all unrighteousness in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You got people living with guilt because they won't honor God by going to Him and confessing it. Well, I just blew it so bad. I know and He knows it. Have you ever known somebody did something and they wouldn't tell you they did it? Uh-huh. And what was your response? I wish they'd just come and tell me. Right. Well, why don't you say something? Because it wouldn't do any good. Amen. Right? Yeah. You, you've got to go to God. Go to God like this and just tell Him. Say, Father, look, you know my heart. I blew it. I missed it. I failed. Forgive me. I repent. You don't have to pray two hours, cry, squall. Roll on the ground. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Lord, I repent. I missed it. I failed. It wasn't my heart. Lord, you know my heart. It wasn't my heart to do that. My heart is to love you and serve you. My heart is to please you. Amen. And what does God do? Instantly, He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Instantly. When you make a mistake... You miss the mark. When you sin, you don't become, if you're born again, you don't become unrighteous. Right. You fail, but you don't become unrighteous. Because your righteousness cannot be taken away from you by a mistake. It has to be given away by an act of your will. Amen. Hallelujah. But I've got to honor God and admit it. Does that make sense? And, and, and here's the issue with Eli's boys and even Eli. God had come to them and said, correct this. And they wouldn't correct it. The problem with insisting on continuing to do things that you know do not honor God is you build up a callus on your heart. You build up, you build up a, a level of, 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 uh, of insensitivity. Does that make sense? And then things that, things that I should change, I don't change because I don't have that sensitivity to the things of God. Because God is long-suffering. Tell your neighbor, God has patience with me. See, God is long-suffering. He waits and 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 waits. Why? Because there's always a chance. There's always the possibility, as long as breath is in your body, that things will change. Isn't that good news? 
Hallelujah. Pastor Michelle was talking about her uh, uh, testimony in her new book, Escaping Hell, came out here last week. And she was talking about the night that when we were doing the launch party, she was talking about the night that she went to that little church in Goodlettsville, Tennessee, where my folks were preaching and, and, and sharing the word and, and, and had a meeting. And, you know, she went there that night, and she was nodding out on methadone. If you don't know what methadone is, it's government heroin. But anyway, she was trying to get off of Dilaudid by methadone. And the methadone was better than the Dilaudid. So she's sitting in church nodding out. She had gotten saved, give her life to God a few weeks before. Now she's there. She knows nothing about the Bible. But she's in the atmosphere where God's moving. The man of God came to her, my dad. Today's his birthday. He's in heaven celebrating his third birthday in heaven. But in any event, he came to her and he said, Young lady, do you want help? And she said, I do want help. In the, see, now in that split moment, she was in her right mind. Amen. I want help. What did that do? That honored God. You're the only one that can change this. I need your help. As long as you're willing to meddle around and try to fix it yourself, God will let you try to fix it. He's not going to break in and make you do something. That's not, that's not how honor works. Honor is this, help, okay. Is that right? In that split second, she was instantly delivered. Amen, that's 30, 32 years ago. Never had a slip up, never had a relapse, never went back. Why? She's consistently honored God with her life. Does that make sense? So he says, there are things that you're going to miss out on because there's a lack of honor here. So who does God honor? Amen. Now, there are steps to dishonor. Let's look at one here. Familiarity. Familiarity. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Am I helping you? Familiarity has two meanings. It means an absence of ceremony and formality or informal. And it means a freedom of behavior or undue intimacy. Freedom of behavior or undue intimacy. Absence of ceremony and formality or informal. So familiarity is the absence of formality. And, you know, when somebody goes, well, I'm not going to worry about that. It's just a formality. Well, that has come to mean that, you know, it's not important. It's just a formality, meaning we can just hurry past it or we can just overlook it. It's just a formality. When this becomes our attitude about God and His things, it can cost us. When a person says, you know, this is a formal event, well, what does that mean? No shorts and flip-flops. It's a formal event. Right? We're dressing up. Matter of fact, formal usually means gowns and tuxedos. So if we're not cautious, familiarity can break down 
the protection, the walls of honor that are there for our protection and our blessing. This is not our protection from God. It's our protection from the things that can come on a person because of a lack of formality, a lack of honor. Notice here in 2 Samuel chapter 6, and for the sake of time, we'll paraphrase this. This is when David had went to get the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom. And he had set the ark on a new cart, and there's a whole teaching there, but nonetheless, for the sake of time, verse 5, David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made uh, of wood, on harps, on psalteries, on timbrels, on cornets, on, and cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah, they didn't call him Bob and Bill back then, Uzzah, put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. Now right there, you know, we're thinking, well, yeah, he don't want the ark to fall. What's he supposed to do, let the ark fall? Yep. Now why? Because this next verse has been so completely taken out of its context and used to prove something that the Bible doesn't say. Verse 7, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and he died by the ark of God. Mm. Now, one translation says, when it says his error, his irreverence. This was more than an accident. This was a disregard and a lack of formality on the part of Uzzah. Because even the Kohathites, whose job it was to bear the ark, were not allowed to touch it. Numbers chapter 4, verse 15. He says when they come and they pack everything up, he said they're, they're supposed to put everything together, but they don't, don't touch the ark. Why? There, there, there was only one person that was to touch the ark. That was the high priest. That's a type and a shadow of Jesus. No one else could go into the Holy of Holies and obtain eternal redemption for us but Him. Amen. And so, when they were moving the, the ark, Uzzah just reached out and grabbed a hold of the ark when that had been forbidden by God. He just didn't do it. So he bypassed the formality and entered into familiarity. Some people say, and, and, and I've said it, well, you know, he didn't know. Well, number one, we don't see that in Scripture, and number two, he should have. Amen. We don't see that in Scripture. We don't see that he didn't know. Amen. It's important. There was a way for the ark, the things of God, to be handled. And there was a system in place to stop that from ever happening. And he bypassed the system that was in place and entered into dishonor because of familiarity. Just familiar. It's just, 
It's just another thing. It's just another piece of furniture. It's just, it's just a box. Not to God it wasn't. Amen. This man, this man really lost his life. And we need to understand why. We need to understand why this happened. We need to treat the things of God and what God has asked us to do with a gravity, with a formality. Amen. That, that's worthy of their place. Ever what God's asked you to do, you've got to treat that with a gravity. It has to mean something. There has to be a formality with it. I've had family members tell me, well, you know, all you guys are concerned about are the things of God. Is there anything else? I don't know that there's anything else. Everything that I have is because of God. My life, everything that I have is because of God. God's first. If God's not first, He's not involved. There has to be a gravity to it. If, if, if you're here today and you have a call of God on your life, that part of, of following the call of God on your life is that God's first. And then what God has asked you to do will be of prime importance in your life. It'll carry a gravity. It'll carry a formality. Amen. Do you see that? I have to treat those things with that gravity, with that formality. Amen. We're not just in church. We're, we're, we're gathered together because God asked us to gather together. We come together on the first day of the week because that's what God asked us to do. I'm here to honor God. I'm not just here to hear, to, here to hear a good sermon. Although you come here, you're gonna, that's all you'll hear is good ones. But anyway, if, I'm not just here to hear a good sermon. I'm not just here to hear good worship. I'm here to honor God. If there is no worship, if there is no kids ministry, if there is no this or that, I'm here to honor you. I'm testifying this morning, look at everything you've done for me, and I'm here to honor you. Amen. Do, do you see that? I was, I was coming to church today from uh, our, our house in Lenexa. And uh, I drove by. There's a ballpark when I come out here. And, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not running anybody down. Ballpark was full. Playing games. Well, you know, I'm sure there were Christians there. I'm sure there are people that love the Lord. I'm sure that there are Christian kids that love the Lord were on the field. But what were those parents saying by being there instead of in church? That ball game is more important than the things of God. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, I tell them, you can't tell them and then do something different. Kids, God's number one. Oh, I know there's church today, but this is an important ball game. You know, you, you, know you, you start talking about tithes or people's kids and you get a great calm. Yeah, but you know, Johnny's real good and, and he, he made it on this elite team. and Right? But what's that telling him about the things of God? Amen. See? Does it carry a gravity? That's the problem. 
with, with a lot of gatherings, a lot of church gatherings, is it's become something that's just a social event. And I'm just there to see my friends. And I'm just, it's, it's, it's like I go hang out there like I go hang out at the ball game on Friday night. Or I go hang out there like I hang out at the theater. This is not a hangout. You're going to see your friends. You're going you're gonna to see your, your relationships. We're going to fellowship. But this is where we come to honor God. Is that right? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, Pastor, times have changed. I know. Times have changed, and you can sure tell it. Because where there's a lack of honor for God, there will be a lack of honor for other things. People talk about the racial tension in America. You know, you know what prejudice and, and racism is? A lack of honor for your fellow man. Why is there a lack of honor for the fellow man? Because there's no honor for God. If you don't honor God, you'll never honor me. If I don't honor God, I'll never honor you. The way all of that was displaced in some of your lives is that you got a hold of the things of God and God began to take that number one position in your life and God who is love will produce a love in your heart for whoever it is, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, it doesn't matter. The love of God, when you start honoring God, it'll take first place in your life. There are no prejudiced Christians. Well, I know a guy's prejudiced and he's racist. He's not very saved. He needs another dip. I don't mean of Copenhagen either. <laughs> or whatever you chew. If you chew. Hallelujah. Pastor, you mean folks saved can chew? I'd rather sit by a snuff-dipping Christian than sit by a racist Christian. Because at least a snuff-dipper, snuff you can't hide it. Amen. Unless it's your girlfriend, then you got problems. <laughs> See, that's, that's a lack of honor, a lack of formality. And I saw that this morning, and that, that just came to my mind. There's, a, there's two stadiums full of people that gave no thought to what God wants today. Amen. Well, you know, it's important that they have interaction with their, their, you know, their friends. and I, I, It is. Not at the expense of the things of God. Not at the expense of the things of God. Amen. What, folks, what do you see in so much of the school system today? Hide this from your parents. We'll help you not tell them. What is that? Dishonor. Amen. If, you, if, if, if a person tries to get your child to hide something from you, they are dishonorable. Where, where, where does that stem from? The lack of honor that people have for God. Amen. Well, Pastor, I want to hear about faith. Listen, if you don't honor God, your faith won't work. Because faith is based on love. Faith works by love. And in order for me to love you, I have to honor you. I can't say I love you and dishonor you. I can't say I love you and not honor you. Right? That's why when we shake hands in church, 
and we hug each other's neck. Hey, brother, I love you. That means something. When you say, I love you, that means something. Amen. Amen. I, got, I got single men and women in here. Let, let me tell you something, especially you ladies. When, when uh, 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 Slick and, and whatever his name is, Jake Leg or whatever, Right? When they start easing around and you're on the second or third day and they start talking about, I love you, run. Run. Do two, one of two things. Run or kick him in the head. Get out of there. Why? Because he don't love you. He has no idea about love. He don't even know you. Let alone honor you. I don't know why I'm there, but I'm... Honor means not taking advantage. I'm not going to take advantage of you. God doesn't take advantage of us. Amen. Hallelujah. An honorable person treats you honorable. Amen. Well, I could just see us spending the rest of our life together. Oh, wait. Third date, and you're talking about the rest of our life? Dear Lord, I know you're not a prophet. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Think about it. Th- think about that. Formality. There should be, if there's honor, there's a formality. I'm not trying to hold your hand on the second date, I'm not trying to put my arm around you. Not trying to sneak a little kiss. You don't even know me. Girls, don't, don't you be kissing people you don't know. Well, I know him. You know you don't know him. I'm just pastoring. It's called honor. If he honors you, that's not going to be on his mind. Right? Amen. You put yourself in a strategically bad position when you hang out with people that don't honor you. You got to honor me as a woman. That's you. I'm not a woman. You got to <laughs> honor. I, I just want to make that clear. I am not confused. My shadow is decidedly male. I just. But my, my point is, right, if, they, if they're not going to honor you as a woman and give you the honor and the respect and the formality that is due you as a woman of God, why do you want anything to do with them? This whole idea in society that we have that, you know, uh, uh, oh, Lord. You know, we can just be friends and, and you know, have sex because sex is, is no big deal. Sex is designed as the highest expression of honor between a man and a woman, not between friends, Amen. not between buddies. Your buddy, your friend has no, 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 no business being in your bed Amen. or in the backseat of your car or anywhere. That's dishonor. Moving right along. It's dishonor. If they honor you, if they honor you and they love you 
and you love them, there'll be a ring in your future. And you can do things honorably. And you can stand before God honorably. No, No matter what you've done in your past. When you stand before God as a man and a woman, you stand cleansed, righteous before God, new creatures in Christ Jesus, just as if you'd never sinned. What do you do? You keep the honor turned up in your life. And if you're not going to honor me as a woman of God or honor me as a man of God, and just the other way, guys, you don't want a woman throwing herself at you. What in the world? Any old monkey can do that. You, you want a woman that is chaste. You want a woman that is pre- reserved for the things of God. You want a woman that loves God more than she loves you. Yes. Why? That's honorable. That's honorable. Amen. That, that's important. That, that, that's who you'll find with you in the rocking chair 50 years from now is the person that honors God. Because the more they honor God, the more they'll honor you. You you want to make sure, you want to adultery-proof your marriage? Honor God. Honor God. And and, and the marriage will be safe because we honor God. There's things I don't watch, not because I'm afraid my wife will catch me, because I honor God. And if I honor God, I don't have to worry about her catching me doing something wrong, because I honor God. It's a beautiful thing to lay down every night and your conscience clear. I didn't do anything today that dishonors my wife because I didn't do anything today that dishonors God. Am I helping you with this at all? Did did you see that? Amen. Amen. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. The people that you want in in your relationship circle are the people that show up and worship God. The people that show up and give God His honor and give God His praise. Hallelujah. Look at uh, Judges 16. Is this all right? Hallelujah. It's just, it's, it's, it's what works. In Judges 16, we, we see some things about Samson. And, uh, of course, we, we all know the story of Samson, strong by the anointing of God, a judge over Israel, and, and usually it comes down to, you know, he got his hair cut. But let's look at this. Judges chapter 16, verse 6. And Delilah said to Samson, now, I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of time. She keeps asking him, tell me where your strength's at. Now think about this. I would think that my lightning fast mind is going to think, why does she want to know where my strength is? Why is that important? Right? And you know, he, he lied to her. Now notice this, verse 10. Delilah said, tell me. Where your strength's at. Tell me where you might be bound. Why, why do you want to know how to tie me up? That's like somebody telling, telling you, you know, you're on a date, and they say, what is your pin number? <laughs> right? How do I access your account? 
Well, what are you going to say? What? I don't even know you. Verse 13, Delilah said, Tell me how you might be bound. Verse 15, she said, How can I love you and you won't tell me wherein your great strength lies? Now notice, one, two, three, four times. She's trying to find out the secret of his strength. It's a perfect representation of the devil. He just, he will just keep pressing and pressing, trying to get you over into an area of dishonor. See, this was not about his hair. It wasn't about his strength. It's about the vow he took to God. That's what this was about. When you get born again, you were born again by making Jesus your Lord. Now hear me when I say this. Not your buddy. Not your friend. Your Lord. I used to see people wearing shirts. Jesus is my homeboy. And I thought, how disrespectful of our Lord. Jesus is not my homeboy. Or my buddy. He's my Lord. Why? Right? Why? Because, because if you're just my buddy, I'm not going to hold you in the same esteem that I hold somebody who has an authority in my life. Jesus is Lord. Try that out. Say, Jesus is Lord. See, it's, it's, it's what He asked. This was about what He had promised God. Not about his hair. So you don't miss that. Now, verse 16. See, the, the enemy, let me say this about the enemy. The, the devil knows how vital honor is, and he knows God's view of dishonor. He was the original instigator of dishonor. Yeah. Amen. Amen. D- dishonor is the pledge of allegiance to the devil. Amen. Because... When you start going down the road of dishonor, you're going to get into rebellion. You're going to get into failure because all of it leads there. The first thing that happened in heaven when, when we say Lucifer rebelled, he dishonored God. Right. I will ascend above your throne. I'll put my throne above your throne. Dishonor. Amen. Now notice this. Verse 16. And it came to pass, notice, she pressed him daily. Verse 17, and he told her all his heart. And he told her then, I've never had a haircut. These seven locks have never been shaved. Is that right? Now, Samson knew not to do that. Judges chapter 13, verse 15 tells us that. He he knew not to do that. He honored and valued what she said more than he honored and valued what God thought. Amen. Delilah was wrong. But this goes deeper than Delilah. Samson had grown smug and Samson had grown familiar with the anointing, with the things of God. I'll show you this. Notice, you're right there in chapter 16. Look at verse 19. And she made him sleep on her knees, called for a man, 
caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. She began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself. But he did not know the Lord had departed from him. Look, I'll just get up and shake myself. No big deal. Hmm. The Amplified Bible says, I'll go out as I have time after time and shake myself free. For Samson didn't know the Lord had departed from him. You see the familiarity there? I'll go out like other times. I'll shake myself just like the other times. You know the call of God on my life? It's there. It'll always be there. It's without repentance. Hmm. That's not what Scripture says. It says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. In, in other words, what God has called you and asked you to do, you can't repent of. You can't, he's not going to take it back, and you can't act like it never came. And whether you do it or not, you're responsible for it. You, you understand? He had dishonored God and dishonored the anointing, and it cost him. It cost him. We need to see this. We can't just become so familiar with the things of God. We just think it's always going to be there. I'm just, you know. I've, I've watched ministers over the years that fall into this trap. I've, I've ministers that kind of, over the years, they've kind of uh, give me a hard time. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't just presume that just because I'm anointed, you know, I can just get up and preach a message and I don't have to prepare I don't have to seek God. Amen. And I, I had one minister say, well, I've never, I've, never had to, I've never had to prepare much. And you could see it when he preached. You could see it when he taught. You don't, you don't, you don't want to just get so smug and familiar with the things of God. Well, it's just always going to be there. Why? The things of God are precious. Amen. 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 The, the call of God is precious. If you're called by God to do something, that's precious. The anointing is precious. Amen. He was anointed to deliver Israel. And he said, I'll just get up and go out like other times. Amen. Glory to God. It's not a light matter. It's not a light matter. You know, Michelle and I have worked very hard not to become familiar with those God's called us to. And, and I want to explain that. We have very good relationships. We even have friendships. But we don't allow familiarity. I refuse to allow familiarity. And, and here's why. Because familiarity always leads to dishonor. Always. Think about that. If you're married in here, if, if you allow familiarity, well, Pastor, they're my wife, and, and I know them. No, 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 don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. If you allow familiarity, if you stop seeing them as your precious bride, and you just see them as my wife. I know none of y'all do this, but my old lady. My old man. Right? Old bucket butt. You know, old basket belly. <laughs> it is funny. 
But why would you ever call your spouse that? You're setting, you're going you're gonna to dishonor them. What if I treat them as precious? What if I refuse to allow that familiarity? Right? I've, I've had people do things around their spouse before, around their wife, that say, well, we've been married long enough that, you know, that don't bother her no more. It's dishonorable. Amen. I don't, I don't want to smell better when I come to church than I do when I'm with my wife. Because that means I honor you more than I honor her. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to clean up or shave or anything. I mean, it's just us. See, that's familiarity. Oh, hallelujah. I'm almost done. <laughs> Amen. Now, maybe all relationships aren't like this. But you remember? You remember how it was at the inception of the relationship? You put half a bottle of cologne on every time you went to see her. There are times she was crying. You're like, oh, she's in love. No, her eyes are burning. <laughs> she went home tasting Gucci in her mouth. But you were trying. Clean that car up, armor all it. Amen. I used I used to have a a, a a a classic car and had vinyl seats. I'd armor all that seat because you know you go around a corner. Pastor Michelle be sitting there. She'd just slide right on over. Boom. Hey, that's how. You, remember how you used to do that? Armor all everything. Shine it up. Why? Precious means something to me. Is that right? See, if I become familiar, then it's just another person. That's not, and I'm using this as a natural example to explain spiritual things. That's not just another person. It's my wife. That's my husband, not just another person. That is the most important woman in my life. It's the most important man in my life. Right? Nobody, nobody, nobody's advice means more. Nobody's opinion means more. Because that's my wife. That's my husband. You become familiar, then those things just don't matter. Well, it's the same way with the things of God. How, how much more could Samson have had if he'd have lived another 30 years? How much more could he have done if he'd have lived another 30 years? But he compromised the preciousness of the things of God. How much more of an impact could he have had? I, I, I had a pastor friend that, that I knew reasonably well. We were good, good acquaintances. And... Uh, you know, he died, he died, he was about my age, and he died when he was probably 46. So it had been about 10 years ago or so. And uh, 
you know, it was sudden. It was sudden when he died. He was in New York at a conference, and he died in his hotel room. Died of a heroin overdose. Well, he had battled that before he got born again, and he started treating the things of God as light. Your conduct will determine what you think of the things of God. And, and when you start treating them light in one area, it's just a matter of time to slippery slope. Amen. How, and, and I've often thought, how much more could he have done for God if he hadn't started taking the things of God light? If God's delivered you and God set you free, don't be so flippant to put yourself back in a position to be tempted with that and put yourself back in a position to be drawn into that. God set you free. Amen. God delivered you. Amen. Amen. God can make me free. It's my job to stay free. Amen. Mm. So to avoid familiarity, what do you do? You always, always hold the things of God at a high level. Place the highest premium on them. Because why? Those that honor me, he said, I'll honor. Always put the highest premium on them. Now, we got one more verse here. Let's, let's look at this. Mark chapter 6. And, and I'm not going to take the time to read all of these verses because uh, it's a familiar passage of Scripture. This is when Jesus was in his own hometown of Nazareth. And he's ministering here to the people. And we'll paraphrase some of this. But notice, he was ministering. Verse 3, they begin to say, uh, well actually verse 2, Where? notice how they, they talk here. Where does this man have these things? What wisdom is this that's given to him? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, Judah, and his family and sisters? Are they not all here? And they were offended at him. And Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. And he could do there no mighty work save he lays his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Where did this unbelief that caused Jesus to marvel stem from? Familiarity. They couldn't deny the wisdom. They couldn't deny the power. They couldn't deny the teaching. The Bible says that. They were unwilling to acknowledge him as the son of God because they were so familiar with him. This is the carpenter. This is the son of Joseph. Mary, his mother. We know his brothers, his sisters. They, we all grew up in the same neighborhood. There were many, now notice, many other people that could have been healed and set free, but they went home sick and bound because of dishonor and familiarity. Jesus said it was dishonor. He said among his own people and family, notice, that he was without honor. One translation says, Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Judas and Simon, aren't his sisters living here? So they rejected him. 
Notice the dishonor and the familiar, the familiarity. Isn't he? Who is he? How does he? They didn't even use the master's name. They called him him and he. Right? Think about that. Somebody says, what, what do we want to do? Whatever he wants. Let's dishonor. He has a name. And notice, that's usually the attitude that we use that phrase with. Well, whatever he wants. No. Jesus is not he and him. He's the master. He's Jesus. Ever how you treat the messenger is how you're treating the one that sent the message. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. He said, they that receive you, receive me. And he that, he that rejects you, rejects me. He that receiveth me, receives him that sent me. So be cautious about familiarity. Be cautious with those God's called. Because familiarity can stop me from receiving. Amen. I've told you over the years about the story. Uh, 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 a minister went to a, a, a certain church to minister, and uh, they were from Rama and uh, Brother Hagen's uh, uh, school. And uh, when the minister got there, he was talking to the pastor, and the pastor looked at him and said, Well, how's the old man doing? And he said, I thought, old oh, man? What do you mean? Oh, you know Brother Hagen." Well, his first response was his attitude. How's the old man doing? Well, see, that's dishonor. You've you got to be careful with that familiarity. Amen. Because it can stop you from receiving. I, uh, I, had a, I have a friend that allowed his staff to get very familiar with him. And, when, and then uh, uh, when they started treating him with no respect, he wondered why. Not because he was sinning. Not because he was doing something wrong. It's because they became familiar. Amen. You ever have a best friend growing up, you know, you see each other regularly, and, but you only see each other for a few hours a day. And then, you know, one, I, I had a friend named Robert Vinette when I was growing up. Stinkiest kid that ever lived. But I didn't mind because he was my buddy. And I'd see Robert every day at school. And we'd have fun, play ball. One, one week his mother had to go out of town, and she asked, could Robert spend the week with us? Woo! You know, first, like, yeah, Robert's coming over every day. About after three days, like, every day. When's this kid going home? I mean, he really does stink. You know, I'd be like telling mom, he don't take a bath. You know, in my lightning fast mind, maybe that's why he smells bad, because he don't take a bath. But you know, about Friday, I was ready for Robert to get home. About Thursday, I was looking for a way to be away from him in my house. And why? Familiarity. I wasn't familiar with him. I didn't know he smacked his lips or didn't brush his teeth or whatever. Right? It's important. 
Because you want those that God has called to speak into your life to be what they're anointed to be. In other words, you need me more as your pastor than you need me as your friend. Not that we can't be friends. We can. But you, you need a pastor more than you need a buddy. That's important. Well, you know, I like that family feel. We're family. We're all part of the family of God. Every one of us. We're brothers and sisters. Amen. But, but, but here's the issue. In, in, in my family, we're all family in my natural family, but I'm dad. Michelle is mom. You are the child. And, and there's, a different, there's a different level there. Not just you do what you're told. It's we respect each other. I respect you, but I'm in charge of raising you. So that means there's going to be times I tell you to do something and you honor me as your father and you do it even though maybe you don't want to do it. Now here's how this plays out in church. You come to church sometimes and you hear things that are challenging but you know the pastor doesn't know that you're dealing with that but yet he's talking about it. Now there's your, there's your choice. You're either going to honor the anointing on that person and make the change or are you going to enter into dishonor and act like it didn't happen? Amen. Nobody in a church just does what they're told. That's a cult, not a church. You've got to be led by the Spirit. But if God placed you here, He placed you here with leadership to help, to help guide your life. Not run your life, guide you. And when you enter into familiarity, well, it bothers me. People will be in church, and the pastor will come up, and they'll go, Hey, Bob, how you doing? But Bob, Bob thought he was pastor. Oh, well, he is, but you know, Bob. Hmm. Isn't this the son of Joseph? You know what those people get from their pastor? Nothing. Nothing. Because of familiarity. Am I helping you? If we go eat enchiladas together, and we might, I will, I will keep you in a place of honor. You have to keep me in a place of honor. I honor the people in our church by not talking about them. Amen. Amen. My, my, my daughter thinks every one of y'all grow wings. She don't think you have shoulder blades. Them are wings. Why? Because it's dishonorable. It is dishonorable to talk about somebody behind their back. You hear what I'm saying? And as long as I honor you, I'm always in a position to minister to you. And if you, if you reciprocate the honor, you're always in a position to receive. Does that make sense? So hold those God's called in high regard. And I'm going to say something here. Listen to me. Including those He's called in your family. That's so important. 
I have a, 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 I say a friend, acquaintance in uh, Georgetown, Texas. Uh, I was there recently at a, at a conference with Pastor Nancy. And this pastor of this church, their daughter, who was uh, uh, a leader in their church and, and praise and worship leader, recently passed away, a young girl, and, and went to heaven. And uh, uh, over and over again, what I heard people say about her was the honor that she had for the anointing on her parents. And that she first saw them as her pastors and then her parents. But you'll hear people say, well, you know how mom is. That tells me who holds, that tells me what position they have. That's just mom. That's just dad. That's just my son. I remember when I was diapering his hiney. Well, he don't want to remember that. (laughs) If they're called by God, they're first a pastor and not your son. I'm helping you. You'll, You'll set yourself up not to receive. They're more than just mom or dad. They're more than that. They're more than just brother or sister. Here you go. They're more than just husband or wife. That's crucial. I, I gotta recognize the office. I tell you all the time that as husbands and wife, you are first brothers and sisters in Christ. That's that relationship. If, if they're called and anointed by God, then you honor that anointing. Now, now understand, there's a caveat here. Because you can have a calling and anointing and not be honoring God with your life. Don't expect anybody to honor the anointing on your life because you're not living it out properly. My family honors the call on my life Because they see the life I live. Your life is what you see is what you get. Meaning, if you're going to preach it from the pulpit, what you see when I'm preaching is what you get when we're outside. Because there are people you know and I know, they're called, they're anointed, but their life is not a God-honoring life. And I can't expect people to honor what's on my life if I'm not going to honor what's on my life by honoring God with my life. Because who does God honor? Those that honor Him. Is that right? Oh, hallelujah. So just, just, just do this. Just put one hand on your heart. Just close your eyes. Say this out loud. Say, Father, I desire to be a person that's honored by you. I desire to be a person that's honored in your sight. So I choose today to honor you with my life, with my time, with my efforts. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, you have your head bowed there.
this morning, we'd be remiss if we didn't make this opportunity available to everybody. Glory be to God. The Bible says this, the Apostle Paul made this statement in the Word of God. He said, it's clear, it's evident that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. That's the reason he came. Jesus said in the book of John, when he was sitting at the table with his disciples and his disciples, the religious leaders came to his disciples and said, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners and people that don't wash their hands? And Jesus overheard it, and he said, here's why. He said, because the Son of Man came into the earth to seek and save that which is lost. And he said, the sick need a physician, not the well. And that's why I'm letting all these people come and sit with me. And he, he explains his purpose, that his purpose was to save lives. Not just to save a person from hell, but to save their life. And to put them in a position receive the things of God. You know, there's ultimately three kinds of people here today. The first kind of person is this, is you know where you stand with God. You know your life's right. You know your heart's right with God. You're born again. The second person is you're born again, but, you know, you're not as on fire as you could be. We could say it this way. There's not a complete selling out yet. And the third person is, you just know you're not living for God. There's areas in my life that I'm just, I'm living my own way. And I know it. With your head bowed, your eyes closed today. If you say, Pastor Steele, those last two categories, I find myself in one of those last two categories. I'm just, I'm not as on fire for you as I should be. I'm just not living for God at all. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, slip your hand up right now. Just say, that's me. That's me. God bless you. 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 You can put your hand down. Now, the next step that we're going to take is simply this. With that acknowledgement, things that you've acknowledged. You've said, Father, that's the situation that I find myself in. Right now, I'm simply going to count to three. By the time I reach three, I'm going to invite you to just get out of your chair and come to the front. I want to pray with you. Father, we start now counting with one. This is your chance to make a revolution in your life. Two, this is your day of change. This is your day of victory. Three, your past is gone. Your victory has come. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I just want you, if you would, as you're standing here, just bow your heads with me. Just keep your head bowed. I want to share this with you as I pray for you. What I want you to do right now is I want you to see this in your spirit. I want you to see yourself and you're standing at the foot of a hill. At the top of that hill, there's a cross. 
And on that cross is Jesus Christ. And the blood is coming out of his body. And it's flowing down that hill and it's forming a river. And I want you to see yourself standing at that river. And you're standing there and you're holding a box or a basket or a bag or whatever you want to visualize it. And in that that bag, that box, that basket is every failure you've ever had in your life. Every mistake, every sin. And I want you to see yourself in the name of Jesus. You take that box over your head and you throw it in that river. And I want you to watch it, your spirit right now, sink. It's sinking. The scripture says this, that when you come to Christ and you ask Him to forgive you, that He forgives you and He puts your sin in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against you again. That's what you're receiving today. Not just forgiveness of sins, a wiping away, never to be remembered against you again. So just say this with me today. Everybody say it with them. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that Jesus Christ came into the earth, that He lived a perfect life, that He died on the cross for my sin, that He was buried and He rose again and He's alive today. I confess Him now as my Lord and my Savior and I receive Him into my life. In Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you for this call. I thank you for the magnitude of your love for them. Father, I thank you for all the questions being cleared up. Lord, I don't know all the questions, but I thank you that those things that seemed like they weren't moving and wouldn't move and aren't moving are going to begin to move. They're going to begin to move. Father, give them your strength. In the name of Jesus. Ha-ha. shed abroad in her heart by the Holy Ghost. And Father, I I alleviate by the Holy Spirit those feelings of failure and those feelings of distrust of herself in the name of Jesus. Be free. In the name of Jesus. Love of God, manifest yourself life and in his heart. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. I see. Oh, Father. I thank you for the writing of every wrong turn. I thank you for the writing of every supposed failure. In the name of Jesus. Oh, perfect peace in the name of Jesus.
Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those unspoken things. Lord, those things that were spoken even within himself as he sat here today. For the answer shall come quickly. And the answer shall come speedily. And it's going to be easier than you think. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Brother, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. I can help you all anyway. Let me know. Thank you. Hallelujah. gave your life to Christ today, and you did, and you may have even been a recommitment, the best thing you can do is, brother, this church or a Bible-believing church, the best thing you can do is get involved. Show up. You may say, well, I can only come on Sunday morning. Well, number one, make sure that's all you can do. And number two, if that's all you can do, and that's all you can do, and you know that's all you can do, be here. Be there, wherever God's called you to. God's not going to call everybody to my church. But if He called you here, and this is where God wants you to be, this is where you're going to be fed. This is where you're going to be strengthened. Amen. And, and, and I say this. You know, if people are here today that you brought, that you listened to, recognize the importance of your voice in their life. When Jesus was beginning his ministry, it says that Philip heard of Jesus and went and got Nathaniel and brought him to Jesus. Well, they were relatives. They were friends. Why did Nathaniel come when Philip told him? Because he trusted Philip. You know, Philip's or Nathaniel's life was changed forever. Because at that moment, he believed in Jesus. People that you bring to church, they give their lives to God. They make a change. Huh. Look at the impact that you can have on people. How do I know that? What you said helped eternally change someone's life. They wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have heard this message today if you hadn't invited them. Isn't that great? Amen. So everybody else that was sitting today and watching, you saw who came up and who was prayed for, get a hold of them, shake their hand, hug their neck, let them know that if you choose to be here, we're a family. We'll help you grow. We'll help you get over the, the things that the enemy's tried to stop your life with. Because we are faith builders. Amen. Let's stand up today, shall we? Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Don't forget tonight, of course, our night of giving. And I know that, that many of you are families. We have been believing God all year for the amount that we're going to be giving tonight. And uh, 
uh, to really understand what we're doing, you, you, you really just have to be here. But the, the thing is, is this is something the Lord told us to do some time ago, and we've been doing it regularly. And uh, there have been uh, outstanding testimonies of financial victory in people's lives and how God just changed things. So I encourage you, if, uh, if you're free tonight, and, you know, maybe even if you don't think you're free, check your calendar. You might be able to make it. Uh, uh, but God's good. Amen. And uh, we appreciate everybody that's here. Appreciate all of you that came today. All of you that gave your lives to Christ or recommitted your life to Christ. The sky's the limit. God's got good things for you. Amen. Hallelujah. And we're, we're dismissing right at 12 o'clock. So that means you can go directly to the buffet and you won't freak the Baptist out because we won't get out of order. Okay? Hallelujah. Glory to God. God's good. Come on, say it with me today, would you? The vision of our church will always be to build people's faith and frame their world by the Word of God. And you and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.